during the reigns of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. It will crush all these kingdoms into nothingness, and God's kingdom will stand forever. Welcome to the end. Did you know that if you took 10 coins and you numbered them 1 to 10 and put them in your pocket, that the chances of pulling out numbers 1 and 2 in succession has odds of 1 in 100? But even more amazing than that, the chances of being able to pull out all 10 coins in the succession of numbers 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, the chances of being able to do that in that order are 1 in 10 billion. That's amazing, isn't it? What we are going to look at together today is an incredible prophecy that tells us with pinpoint accuracy incredible details concerning the life of the Messiah. It tells us when the Messiah would step onto the stage of human history. It tells us even that the Messiah would be cut off. It tells us even that Jerusalem would be rebuilt and that Jerusalem would also be destroyed. It's an incredible prophecy, and it happened with pinpoint accuracy. Every day in Jerusalem, people gather at the Wailing Wall to pray, and they come together to pray for the coming of the Messiah. They pray very earnestly. They rock back and forth in their prayers. And throughout the centuries, in fact, over the last 2,000 years, several would-be messiahs have stepped forward to say, well, I'm the Messiah. But none of them have fulfilled the claims of the prophecy that we are about to step through together right now. In fact, in a twist of irony, The very people that are looking for the Messiah in the Talmud, according to a rabbinic literature, it tells us that a rabbinic curse has been placed over this very prophecy. In fact, let me read to you the words of this curse. It says, Blasted be the bones of those who calculate the end. And in a series like the one that we are about to do, about to step through together right now, who is the Messiah? This is extremely important for us because it will help us to understand more concerning the end of the world and what the Bible has to say about it. You see, the prophecies of the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation, they work together like a hand in glove. They have incredible emphasis and they tell us about the timeline of history, revealing events that would take place before Jesus would come. And certainly in the case of what we're studying today, even concerning the life of the Messiah who is Jesus. So before I go any further, I want you to know right from the get-go that our subject is going to take us to the most sacred chapter, perhaps one of the most sacred chapters in all the Bible. So much so that Sir Isaac Newton, that famed English scientist and mathematician, he was a keen student of Bible prophecy and he said of this very chapter these words, that it is the foundation stone of Christian religion. Because this chapter pinpoints without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is the Messiah and that God is Jesus in human flesh. So now that we've established that, let's set the table together, shall we? In order for us to understand what's about to happen in Daniel chapter 9, I'd like us to have a little bit of context. 
Several years have transpired between Daniel chapter 8 and Daniel chapter 9. And the Bible tells us in Daniel chapter 8 that God revealed to Daniel the longest time prophecy in the Bible. It concerned 2,300 days. That's a long time. And Daniel couldn't quite understand it. Daniel was a keen student of Bible prophecy. And he had been studying a particular prophecy that God gave to the prophet Jeremiah. And in this prophecy, God had told Jeremiah that his people, that is the people of Judah, would be in captivity for a period of 70 years because of their national disobedience. It was like a 70-year time out. And Daniel, having been taken into captivity into Babylon as a teenager, he would have been in his 80s around about this time in Daniel chapter 9. And he knew for sure that this time prophecy of Jeremiah was almost at its close and he was perplexed. Was God going to extend the time of their captivity to be this long, incredible period of time, 2,300 days? He was so perplexed, the Bible tells us exactly what he did He prayed. And that's good news for you and I, because you see, whenever you and I are perplexed, we too should do what Daniel did. We should turn to God in prayer. Daniel was a very busy man. He worked for the government. And so you can expect that he had a lot of things competing for his time and attention. But he valued prayer and he put time and effort into praying. And we should be the same. I like how Charles Spurgeon He said of prayer, he said, oh, that our prayers could get beyond praying till they got to agonizing. That's the kind of man that Daniel was. He was not just saying prayers for the sake of saying them, but he was pouring his heart out to God in his prayer. And if you can, I encourage you to look at his prayer in Daniel chapter 9 because he prays for some wonderful things. He prays for God's forgiveness, not only for himself, but for the nation. He prays and acknowledges their need for God. He also prays that God would give him a knowledge of his truth. And he prays that God would be glorified in spite of the sinfulness of his people, that God would be glorified through this prayer. Daniel was a Christian patriot. He had an eye single to the glory of God. And notice with me, as you have your Bible, I hope, or if you're watching on the screen, Daniel chapter 9, verse 20, tells us what happened in answer to his prayer. Now, while I was speaking, praying, and confessing my sin, and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, verse 21, yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, who I had seen in vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offering. Oh, I love this. Talk about a fast answer to prayer. The angel Gabriel comes to Daniel in answer to his prayer and he comes to tell him that God had heard his prayer and that God had an answer for him that went beyond just the salvation of the Judean people. But it was an answer that revealed God's plan of salvation for the whole world. In fact, notice the reason why God gave this answer to Daniel in verse 23. I love this. He says, for you are greatly beloved. 
You need to know today that you are greatly beloved of God. And that is why God has given to us these wonderful prophecies, because he wants us to know for sure that our faith is founded on solid rock. We're not making this up. We're not going on what we think. God wants you to know for sure that you can trust in him. So now let's go to the wonderful prophecy of Daniel chapter 9. We'll pick it up together in verse 24. The Bible says that the angel Gabriel said to Daniel, 70 weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Wow, that is a power-packed verse. Let's just again understand where we're coming from. The Bible says 70 weeks are given to who? Are given to Israel. The Bible says that it is for your people. So we're talking about the Jewish nation. For what? 70 weeks for what? To fulfill their covenant faithfulness with God. And it says it's 70 weeks. Are we talking about literal time? No. When we come to Bible prophecy, we are talking about prophetic time. And here's something you really will want to keep in the memory banks locked away, because it's a key to understanding Bible prophecy. In Bible prophecy, one day equals one literal year. It's called a day for a year principle. And did I just make this up? No. We get this straight from the Bible. You can look at Ezekiel chapter 4 and verse 6 or Numbers chapter 14 and verse 34 and it will give you the reason why you can use this key in understanding Bible prophecy. Many scholars all agree on this. And so therefore, when we come to this passage of Scripture, we see that the 70 weeks is 70 weeks of prophetic time. What am I talking about? It's 70 weeks of years. So it's 70 weeks of years. 70 times 7, which equals 490 years. Friends, God is so patient. He gives to this nation that had been in rebellion against him 400 years, 490 years to return to faithfulness to him. And it's very interesting if you notice at the beginning of the verse, the Bible says 70 weeks are determined. That word determined comes from a Hebrew word, halak, and it means cut off or amputated from a longer period of time. What time could it be referring to in this case? Of course, Daniel chapter 8 has the answer. In Daniel chapter 8, there was a period of 2,000 300 days, or as we've just discovered, years from which this time period was going to be cut off from. So if I cut off 490 years from 2,300 years, we get a period of 1,810 years that would take us right through at the completion of which to a very important time in history before Jesus comes, known as the cleansing of the sanctuary or a period of judgment. So now we read on in verse 25. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. 
Gabriel now pinpoints with incredible accuracy the very time, in fact, the very year that the Messiah would launch his public ministry. This verse is really the master key to unlocking this prophecy. When did the 70 weeks begin? Well, the Bible's pretty clear. It tells us that the 70 weeks will begin from the going forth of a command to rebuild and restore Jerusalem. Now, at the time when Daniel received this prophecy, Jerusalem lay in ruins. It needed rebuilding. Its, its inhabitants had been taken captive. They were captives and exiles in Babylon. So therefore, we are talking about a prophecy that would find its fulfillment in a coming decree that would come from an imperial level that would allow the Jews to go back to their homeland and rebuild that fallen city. If you know your history... And even if you don't, you can go and find the answer to this history in your local library. Google it on the internet. We find that the command to rebuild and restore Jerusalem, it came and was issued in the year 457 BC. We also find reference to this in the book of Ezra 7 verses 11 through 12. Friends, right then we have the start date because Persian king, the Persian king, Artaxerxes, he issues this decree in 457, so we have our start date right there. And the Bible says seven weeks and 62 weeks, then there will be Messiah the prince in verse 25. Friends, seven plus 62, maths has never really been my thing, but this is something I can follow. Seven plus 62 equals 69 weeks. But remember, we're talking about 69 weeks of years. So that would be 483 years. If I go forward from 457 and I count 483 years, guess what? I will come and arrive at the time when Messiah would begin his public ministry. What year do I land at? I land at the year 27 A.D. You say, hang on a minute, Sharissa, I did the maths with you and I did not land at that point. Very good. But what many people forget is that there was no year zero. We went from 1 BC to 1 AD. We missed the year zero, so we make up for it and we land at 27 AD as being the time when the Messiah would step onto the stage of human history. Well, did he? Did God's prophetic clock strike on time or was it late? I love how the Bible gives us so much detail to confirm our faith. In the book of Luke, Luke chapter 3 and verse 1, we are told that in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Jesus was baptized. Now get this, Messiah is a word and a name that means anointed, the anointed one. Was there ever a point in the ministry of Jesus, in the life of Jesus, where he was anointed? The answer is a resounding yes. In fact, if you look at Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it tells us that Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit at his baptism for his ministry as the Messiah. Is that not incredible to you or what? This is just wonderful. Jesus stepped onto the stage of human history right on time. He was baptized right on time, not because he had sinned, but because he was setting for us a wonderful example that we should follow in his steps. But wait, 
There's more. There's more to this prophecy. Notice the next two verses in the chapter. Chapter 20, uh, chapter 9 rather, verse 26 and 27. And after the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with a flood until the end of the war desolations are determined. Verse 27, then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering, and on the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. What would happen to the Messiah? It's very interesting what the Bible tells us next. The Bible tells us that in the final week of this prophecy that was left to be fulfilled, the last seven years of the 490, that in the middle of this week, so three and a half years into this week of prophetic years, the Messiah would be cut off. He would be taken away, but not for himself. And that the sacrifices that were offered in the earthly temple, they too would also come to an end. Now, we know that the Messiah would confirm the covenant with many. That's what also the Bible says here. He would confirm the covenant uh, with many for one week. That is that through the life and teachings of the Messiah, this covenant with that God had made with his people would continue to be affirmed. And we see that in the life of Jesus. But friends, in the middle of that seven-year week, at the end of this prophecy, we find that Jesus was cut off. He was crucified on the cross of Calvary in the year 31 AD. And Israel was given an opportunity to see that the Messiah loves them. Jesus would die in the middle of that last week, three and a half years in. There was Calvary in 31 AD. But the prophecy still had another three and a half years to go. What do we make of that? Friends, do not miss the mercy of God in the numbers here. God gave them, even three and a half years after he had died for them on the cross of Calvary, to receive him as their Messiah, to turn to him and accept him as the one that all scripture promised to, who would come. But even then, what happened at the end of this next three and a half year period? Three and a half years after 31 AD, we arrive at 34 AD and we see an incredible thing. We see an official formal rejection of Jesus as the Messiah as the Jewish leaders turned on a man named Stephen who was preaching that Jesus was the Messiah to them. They turned on him and stoned him to death. This was an official rejection of Jesus as their Messiah. And ever since then, the gospel has not just been proclaimed to the Jewish nation, but it has been proclaimed to the whole world. Jesus wants the whole world to have an opportunity to respond to his covenant faithfulness. And so, friends, as we have studied this incredible prophecy, this 70-week prophecy, we realize that this is a time prophecy that gives us the very beginning start date for another time prophecy, the prophecy of Daniel chapter 8 and verse 14. This 
2,300-day prophecy had great significance, and it still has great significance, because it pinpoints, if we have the start date, we can come to the finish date, and we can discover when the time of judgment would begin before Jesus comes back and the end of the world comes, as the Bible describes it. We are living in incredible times. We are living in a time of Earth's history when it is important for us to make sure that our hearts are right with God. Have you accepted Jesus as your Messiah? He is the Messiah that is revealed to us in Scripture. He is the one who stepped up right on time. God wants you to have every confidence that you can trust in Jesus to be the Savior of your life. The same God who promised to Daniel that a Messiah would come is the same God who has promised to you and I that He is coming very soon to rescue us from this fallen planet and to take us to be with Him forever. How can I know this with such certainty? Because the Bible says that in Daniel chapter 9, the Messiah would be cut off, but not for Himself. Friend, Jesus was cut off for you. He was cut off for me. When Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, He died the death that I deserved as a sinner so that I could receive the life that I don't deserve, the life of eternal life. Will you accept with me this wonderful gift? Will you accept with me this wonderful Savior who is Jesus? You've been listening to The End. For more information about this program or any of this show's free offers, visit www.theend.digital.